0: We greatly appreciate it. Welcome back to Freaks, Kinks, and Geeks. Oh, my. Can I see for this one? I was going for a combination of Lois Griffin and or preferentially the nanny. Nanny Fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see it. I see it. Ah, that's okay. (laughs) That was special.
1: Anyway, welcome back. So, welcome back. (laughs) You have your host here, April. And CJ. AKA the nanny, apparently. (laughs) Oh yes, please. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this week we are going to be discussing how to not move into non monogamy.
0: Yes, yes. Last week it was how to move into non monogamy.
1: That's why on the flip side now this episode the reverse. The
0: reverse, if you will. This is
1: basically the episode of everything we've either done and or experienced and you get to learn from it. Exactly. You're welcome. You are welcome. Glow up. <laughs> it will save you so much energy and so emotional much. exhaustion. Yes. Yeah. You can just forge your Venmo to us instead of your therapist. Thank you. <laughs> we also accept Cash App. Um. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I, I say just jump right into it. Let's go. I, I think the biggest one that popped up on my list that I see the most, that I experience the most, that I see people harking on the most is moving to non-monogamy to save a relationship, much like you would to, like, have a baby and save a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, That's... that example already exists where people already say
0: don't have a baby to save a relationship. Right. It's not going to go the way you want it to go. And then you're involving a third person, albeit smaller, into these problems that you already have. Yep. When, and when it's on... non monogamy, it's a you're it's inviting a different person. person. <laughs> <laughs> They're larger and more legal, you yes. know,
1: <laughs> so, so I, um, I I hear this a lot and it is no judgment of people who are going through rough times in their mm-hmm. relationships. we all go through those for sure
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um but i do see some people kind of grasping at the non-monogamy straws if you will Mm -hmm. as a way to revitalize the relationship bring some happiness back into it bring some change brings some Spice. spice and i you know to be honest i can't even say that i'm not slightly guilty of that when we first started i just don't think i knew how to pinpoint yeah it's
0: like if we're looking back in hindsight yeah there was for me especially too where it's like there were some larger questions i probably should have been asking and facing instead of thinking that like oh yeah well we're just doing this new adventure together and we're probably strong enough to do it because we've already been together for so many years and you just kind of really talk yourself up and talk yourself into it and then you just Jump off the cliff into the non-monogamy abyss. You just free fall right in, free fall. snacks and all. <laughs> you know, the thing about falling is sometimes, if you're not paying attention, it'll feel like you're flying. <laughs> True.
1: That's my deep metaphor. I'm like monogamy Hashtag Hallmark. I know exactly. <laughs> Hashtag I feel that. So, what does this look like in practice? So, I would say, and I kind of preface when I tell people this. You know, moving into non-monogamy is going to bring forward and bring to the surface any problems you have with yourself as a person, mm-hmm. anything you need to work through as a person. And it is 100%, one bajillion percent. It's not even 100%. 100% is not even right. One bagillion percent. I don't know if that's a word.
0: It is now. It is now. Hashtag um, bagillion.
1: It's going to bring everything to the surface in your relationship that is either problematic or based on shaky foundations or is fear-based thinking, or it, it just is gonna bring up all the muck. It's gonna Imagine bring Imagine up- you're moving all the furniture around
0: in a living room and it's been in that one position ever since the beginning of your relationship. And when you move it, there's some dirt behind the couch, maybe yep. some dust bunnies and things like that. That doesn't mean there was anything wrong with the former setup you know, the former dynamic, if you will, if you're following my metaphor still, Mm -hmm, but just mm -hmm. these things will come up and it's not gonna be the cleanest. It would be best to not freak out when that stuff comes up, best you can manage it. Just be like, ah, yes, this is exactly what's meant to come up. This is completely normal and just like sit with it, work with it, you know, don't, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed.
1: But if your relationship is on life alert, like if it is literally you need a life alert button because it could go down at any moment or you need the shock paddles or you are in that ICU critical phase and we all know that phase. Yeah. Um, If you've been in a relationship long enough, you know that phase. Um, If you're saying things like I'm either going to divorce or break up
0: or open the relationship, there's an easy way to be like, no, that's trying to do that to save the
1: relationship. You know. If you're opening up because you're trying to satisfy the other person in your relationship, not a good again, that's another kind of life support thing in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um this should not be done to save anyone or anything. Mhm. Um
0: which is harder in that sense because if you're already in like a monogamous relationship, for example, and one person is really really pushing for it and the other person is really really resisting it. Yeah. Then it can feel, you know, oh, I have to do this to save the relationship, you know, keep an eye out for those type of thought patterns because then that'll tell you also like, okay, I'm only going along with this to save the relationship. So I should probably not.
1: Yeah. And that can't you know, it doesn't mean your relationship has to be in the perfect place. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you can't have disagreements at times. Um, it just means that there should be a fairly solid foundation, and you should be in a fairly solid point. Mm-hmm. Um, working, I you know, I would suggest already starting therapy, already working on becoming less codependent and more autonomous before mm-hmm. you actually open. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of groundwork you can do before you just kind of free fall off that cliff. Yes, exactly. And hope you don't go split yep. At the bottom. Right. Because splat is an option. Sp- Splatten is an option. <laughs> many have splatted? <laughs> so, you know, and, and I think this is also why non-monogamy gets kind of a bad rap at times, because there are a lot of people who jump into it um, kind of ill-advised, mm-hmm. and then they do splat, and they blame the splat on non-monogamy instead of what was actually at fault, which is your relationship was already kind of rocky, yeah. and your relationship was already kind of tanking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.
1: So... Nobody ever blames
0: monogamy when a divorce happens. Correct. No one is ever like, you see. We should have never done this. Never been monogamous. We should have never been monogamous. Let's crush this system.
1: This crap. <laughs> um so I think, you know, the next thing that I see pretty often for myself is jumping off a cliff with yes. no parachute. <laughs> if we're going to Let's yeah. run with the cliff analogy for a second. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. So jumping out the cliff with no parachute the parachute being information and research and that groundwork i was just talking about
0: yeah and um, all of what we covered in the last episode
1: yes um i i personally have interacted with what i call a number of nominog newbies mm-hmm. and i think us in the nominog world that have been around long enough all kind of i don't want to say cringe but when we mm-hmm. see a newbie or interact with one i think we all get a slight twitch yeah Because we've all been through the newbie burn and know that is not an STD. (laughs) (laughs) I know half of y'all just went, is that an STD? No. (laughs) No. That's not code for STD. It's not on the full (laughs) panel. um, Metaphorical burn, if you will, (laughs) of people who got into it too fast and think they're full on, full in. I'm going to date. I'm going to get invested. And then three months in, it feels not good. And they don't know what to do with their emotions. And yeah. then you end up getting burned and dropped because it got uncomfortable suddenly. Yeah. Because they didn't prepare. Yeah. That's my interpretation of Newbie Burn. That's my interpretation of a lot of people getting into it who did not do the yeah. proper research. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I might actually coin the phrase Newbie Burn now. I know, we should. NB. Should we change the episode title new burn
0: <laughs> <laughs> newbie burn
1: no and that's not to knock all newbies there are some good ones that I've interacted with that I have dated there are some that I'm still friends with um but I will admit I still have newbie burn twitch <laughs> it's hard though because the newbie burns come and what when you're burned
0: by a newbie <laughs> it is it is impactful is all because a lot of times what newbie burn looks like is that you are connecting with a person and now the newbie poly couple for example is needing to close the relationship to work on themselves now you're completely cut off yep. and you're treated as like a secondary and it's just like you have to you know uh oh but you have to be understanding because you know what are you going to do tell them not to work on their relationship yep. you know hashtag so, growth exactly so yeah it can become like that for me is the biggest wince of like oh are you guys new to Polly? is that like no, oh, good I'm gonna be like a piece of meat who doesn't have any emotions no, period same. like and, and it's not saying that they, oh you're gonna treat me like an object but it's like you know yeah I mean the fact that like I have emotions and I can be hurt deeply by a decision like that will never be considered especially if it's like oh well we we have this like reason which is we're saving the relationship so we have to like clothes for us yeah it's like especially that's scary for me especially as a solo poly person
1: yeah yeah and and you know i think selfishly as poly we do face some dating challenges Mm -hmm. so it takes so long to find someone that is worthwhile yeah and so to invest and then you know to get kind of emotionally invested in time investment and then all of a sudden it's gone yeah that sucks it does but again nature of the beast so it is yeah i mean listen even no- quote unquote normal
0: societal normal dating is not like a promised paradise so yeah. you know these things are going to come up it's not saying one is better than the other but no. yeah
1: and this is not to say you know if you are someone newer into this lifestyle don't hide that you're newer right um, oh my god i'm really i've glad also that had that, that, that happen and yeah they tried to hide it um but after asking some questions and much like i do in bdsm i me personally i do vet people um as you should when it comes to polyamorous stuff or non-monogamy much like i do vet bdsm partners as well yeah um, i would recommend that i support that yeah i i think everyone should um mm-hmm. it sounds very like interview style but i think just in talking you can easily vet Whoever's in the lifestyle, whatever lifestyle it is, there are Mm -hmm. safety questions, if you will. Yeah. So, um, the people and then there are
0: ways to ask that don't feel like you aren't like investigating, you know, like yes. interrogating them, you know, it's just simply, you know, how many, how long have you guys been in it? For example, is a really
1: good one, which is co- one part conversational, one part yep. interrogation, you know, if it's a partnership, I always ask like, Hey, what are your boundaries and rules within yep. your dynamic? Mm-hmm. And if they can't answer that, that's usually a very big red flag for me. Exactly. Yeah. That usually tells me you've probably not been in it too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um trying to think about some other vetting questions that I just... I know I have them, and conversationally, it just comes so easily. Um, I usually do ask them if they have other partners, mm-hmm. um, how many long-term or, like, what types of relationships have they had outside yeah. of their main. Yeah. That's also usually a big tell. Have
0: they figured out what... Um how much space they have for how many partners, for example, is something that I try to figure out if I can, like. Time commitments. hmm like, uh, so for me, a big red flag with uh, some newbies is that they'll, I'll ask them, oh, how many other people are you talking to right now, by the way, if you don't have any, you know, solid connections. If they say anything over three, I'm always like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, three is already a limit, you know, yeah. like, I can't, that, for me, that's one partner I'm seeing regularly, and maybe two friends with benefits who I see
1: once a month. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's everyone can have their own. I mean, obviously in the nominog, but definitely in the poly world, you know, scheduling is always a running joke. Right, exactly. Like, the Google memes amongst polyamorous people is hilarious. I know, um, right? You know, and I know some people that have two or three or more partners. I personally don't know how they do like four, dear God in heaven. I know. Hey, if this is just a bunch of cool people who are okay meeting like
0: once every other month or what you know. Yeah. Well, but you know your time better. And like when you ask a question like that, even if if somebody was talking to me and they were responsibly had multiple, multiple partners, like in the sevens or whatever, like in the sevens, we count in the sevens here. <laughs> and, and they were able to explain like how they make it work and things like that. That's different, you know, but like a person who's kind of like, yeah, I'm just like keeping myself open to any connection. And I'm talking to like seven people then I'm like, oh, um. I just I'll got, just. I got tired
1: of hearing that. I'm. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> yeah, and it, I, I think you know this is coming from more of a probably a polyamorous or open perspective. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. if you're swinging, if you are just looking for that type of dynamic, yeah. it's a little different. Mm-hmm, the vetting yeah. questions are gonna be a little different. You're still gonna want to ask like the rules and boundaries and that type of thing, which mm-hmm. they should still be able to answer.
0: Yeah.
1: Um you know, non when it comes to BDSM, those are going to be pretty similar or should be if you're interviewing a play partner, should be vetting very heavily. Mm-hmm. So vetting does not get away and you don't get away from vetting just because Never. it's not yeah. polyamorous. Mm-hmm. You should vet everybody, Especially with BDSM. They're especially with BDSM. There's so much. Yes. And it can be dangerous. Exactly. Problem. I mean dating in general can be dangerous, but be a that we whiny, have some but it
0: just is so important. I, I and I think it just comes from the, like when, when I was on the dating apps and people being like, Yeah, I'm into anything mm-hmm. you know, as like a person who's like actually newly wanting to try things. Like when I was like exploring BDSM for the first time, real real little baby, you know, and then a guy would be like, Yeah, I'm into anything, so what do you want to explore? I, you know, like a dummy. I was like, Oh, then we can like probably do all this exploration together, right? and uh then it just took me getting to like my one bad experience which was like so memorably bad that i was like you know what i don't even know if i'm gonna be mentioning to people that i like kink anymore unless i already know
1: casually friendly or whatever way
0: that they're into it and i can like trust their experience with it
1: yeah and we will probably do another episode on bdsm vetting but yeah if anyone ever says i'm into everything that's a huge red flag for me and i usually respond back with something along the lines of Especially if they're like a BDSM play partner. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, so I can like nail your dick to a board. Ooh, nice. And then what, play? what, what, what? I'm like, well, yeah, that's a kink. So like you, you into it. everything. Are you in a scat play? You said Nothing. everything. <laughs> so, but yeah, I digress. Got totally off topic. Right. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so trying to think I just totally we did that. okay we're floating right now but
0: we will get back okay trust right. me this is we're... zero gravity right now but I am floating in the right direction what's on your list so for me one of the most important things that I hear coming up is like an idea of like for example one of the most common uh, posts I see in like online groups for polyamory and non-monogamy are people saying like you know oh I my partner is getting way more matches than I am. My partner's going on way more dates than I am. Mm, it feels mm-hmm, unfair. Mm-hmm. It feels this is that, um, and especially for those who are trying to open up a formerly closed relationship, you feel like you can try to like keep it equal. Okay, one to one. Like I make a dating profile, you make a dating profile. You know all this, uh, but unfortunately, it is very different depending on which what type of profile you have. Um, more female profiles get a lot more male matches and it's less for like men to get female matches in my experience though the uh, possibility for the man getting a match and you know with a woman is a more solid connection as opposed to it's just numbers on the other end like it's just okay if I have 500 matches maybe I can get one conversation going you know they're not always like solid solid connections so it's different so like When I was married, I would uh, I had that experience where I was getting like a lot of matches and I was able to schedule a lot of dates and my ex was not getting a lot of matches and it was really, really a struggle for him. And then what ended up happening was we would be jealous of each other's experience because for him, it's like, oh, yeah, just match, just go, you know, hook up. That was what he was more into in the relationship. And for me, I'm watching him, like, nurture these, like, long connections with people who are interested in learning about him, interested in how his day was going and things like that. And I was jealous. <laughs> I was so jealous. I, I would tell him to. I'd be like, I'm just experiencing a
1: little bit of jealousy right now, but I'm very happy for you. I'm experiencing compersion with a side of jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm experiencing compersion right now <laughs> through gritted teeth. <laughs> yep. And I, I think that's, I would say in my experience, that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say for our area where we live, there's definitely a huge disproportionate amount of matches for men versus women. Yeah. Um, especially like between me and my partner, he's excited if he gets like 10 or 20. And I know for women, it can be in the thousands. Mm-hmm. I think last time I checked my Tinder was like 3,500. It was something ridiculous. I won't even go yeah. through them. You're famous a little bit. Yeah, I'm Tinder famous. Like that's, <laughs> I think that's like being famous at a gas station. <laughs> I'm a, I'm famous amongst the dumpsters. Oh, <laughs> oh well, the dating apps up. are that way. So,
0: yeah, that's fair. That's
1: fair. Um, You know, and I, 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 what's interesting is we've moved through, oh, different stages. Um, I think actually we feel worse for each other now. Like, it's almost like we used to experience some jealousy and now it's like we almost feel compassion for each other when we have to go back on dating apps or like go on dates. Like, I agree. We're like, oh, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, I hope you don't die. I would say even um, with you and I did, the dynamic has changed a little bit too, where it's like, okay, there's a date. Well, just, you know, let me know if you need to call me and I'll make
1: up an emergency. I'm so good at those. So good. <laughs> I'm so good. Um... But yeah, don't... And I, I've had other people who have dated where like they've tried to coordinate having dates on the same nights as their partners. Yeah, you can't. That gets super messy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's okay to not have it be fair. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be fair, it just has to be equitable. For me, the fairness is not the fact that
0: it's equitable. We have the same opportunity. But the thing is, like, you know, know what you're getting into and then just be aware of this, like, tip for tat thing that's happening. Because it almost feels like a competition, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're trying to go for it, like, oh, I need a date for this Friday because I'm going to be alone this Friday because my partner's not going to be home. Are you really getting into it for the right reasons, you know? And, like, would you say you've been on dates with people who had, like, tried to schedule to be, like, have plans while they were on your partner?
1: Yep. Did it? Yep. It and like influence the mood, right? It does, yeah. Yeah, especially if the other partner's date cancels. Oh, yep. Yeah. So you know, don't don't expect to have dates. Um, what's funny is, me and my partner have actually never had dates on the same night, and we've also never had consistent like we've both dated long term. Mm-hmm. We've never had long term partners at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. Fun. Like it's astounding. It's no like a. Me and him were laughing about it the other night there's yeah. not one overlap. I think it's
0: it's funny I would say it's I think it's better to be in a place where you're an experienced polyamorous person um and you have a lot of experience before you get to that point because i can imagine if like you're new to it and if, what if you do actually both end up seeing somebody more long-term there's a little bit of a temptation that that new relationship and the nre of that new relationship kind of distracts from any work that needs to be going on between the initial couple so yeah that
1: can be risky yep anything we didn't hit on the whole doesn't no, be...
0: no uh I think that was mostly yeah just what I want to say just like you know don't go into it thinking you can keep it equal you know and um, and if you're desiring to try to keep it equal maybe try to like you know sit with that and see like why that's super important to you is it because you're also really trying to thrive in this lifestyle or you're doing that thing that we were talking about a little bit earlier where you're just trying to accommodate for somebody else you know like try to be real with yourself. I know it's like a hard to swallow pill. Like I know like we kind of want to be agreeable when we're going through this because it already feels like there's a lot at stake and in a lot of situations there is. Um, but it's, trust me, like as a person who fought it, like every step yeah. of the way, like it is easier to accept these like larger unchanging truths. It's like, okay, yeah, it's going to suck if my partner gets way more like matches than me or whatever. Yeah. But is that why you're in it? You know?
1: So yeah. You know why What's it? your why? What's your why? Oh. Um, I also see quite often people going into this thinking it is temporary, Oof. especially when you are in a partnership with someone. Mm-hmm. Would you um, say this is kind of
0: like a, in, in the mindset of people who are like, let's do this to save the relationship, so we only really have to do it temporarily, and then it'll go back to normal?
1: Well, I've seen people who get into it and not even, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for them and say it was necessarily to save the relationship, but it's like, I hear it all the time, well, we're going to try it out. Almost like they're trying on, like, an item of clothing Mm -hmm. or a pair of shoes. And I understand the thought process behind it. Mm -hmm. It feels safer. It feels safer. Yeah. But I also know that, especially as a couple, when two people are trying things out, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to end the same for both people. Yeah. And if you go into it with a, let's try this out, let's try these new pair of shoes, Mm -hmm. Um, one person could decide to take those shoes off and the other one might not be able to go back. Yeah, and if we're getting real vulnerable here, that is probably very likely how my last relationship
0: ended, which was very like, okay, it doesn't really look like this polyamory dynamic is working, but I was not willing to go back. Mm -hmm. That was very, the lifestyle is very true to me. I mentioned on my bio, on my website, please check the website if you haven't already, freakskingsandgeeks.com, oh shit, <laughs> freakskingsandgeeks.com, uh, where I describe that polyamory for me is like partially a spiritual journey as well, actually majority, you know, mm-hmm. it's like connecting with people, feeling that, and like that became like an identity thing for me. So it was like, okay, it is not true to myself to go back on that. So yep. in my case, it
1: couldn't have been temporary. So maybe it's a better, and maybe we should even, I should better submit with saying, don't assume it's going to be temporary or something you try on for our parties involved. Yeah exactly it might be for you right but don't make that assumption for everyone and 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 know that it could change real fat like yeah you might want to back out your
0: partner might not exactly you cannot answer that question without experiencing it by the way to really like, because I probably could have told you as well when I started, like, oh yeah, and if this hurts our relationship, we probably will just go back to monogamy. But I really didn't know what that entailed when we were doing it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, once I actually learned what that entailed, the answer changed, you know, like, no, I can't go back actually. So so what I'm saying is like, just don't expect that a a partner can even reasonably know that about themselves without experiencing it. So to ask that question for a comfort or to ask that of a partner for comfort is really setting yourself up
1: for failure yeah i would agree so you know know that you're going to get into it and it could change yeah it could change for one or both Yeah. or if you're solo you know you could waver back and forth and I, I think being honest with people you're interacting with be it dating you know whatever that looks like friends with benefits swinging however that looks is very important mm-hmm. yeah um So the last thing I know I want to talk about is not opening up and expecting everything to be perfect, Mm -hmm. with no mistakes, Mm -hmm. and no flexibility. Yeah. That's huge. Rigidness. That's huge.
0: You have to understand that, like, what you're doing when you are starting with non-monogamy is truly, like, there's not a lot of public support, you know, that's not like you can just ask somebody randomly for, like, advice and be advised in a way that's healthiest and most helpful to you. Like, you really are on this journey, like, with a very limited pool of people, so it's like, this is, I mean, it's not fairly new, but, like, you are going to be still figuring out what works best and things like that,
1: and there's a lot of areas for mistakes to happen. Tons. especially if you start out like myself, where my dynamic, we had, in my opinion, too many rules and those just became huge tripping points, a huge way to make many mistakes mm-hmm. rapidly. Yeah. Very, very rapidly. Yeah. Um, so if you go into this thinking like my partner has to be perfect or the people I date have to be perfect or the people I interact with, or even I have to be perfect, Um, You're definitely going to have some heartache. Mm -hmm. I'm big on, and I think I even said this to you when you were talking about opening up. Um, I'm big on telling people that you not only need to have compassion with the people you're dating or the people you're in a partnership with, but you also really need to have compassion with yourself. Yeah. Because you're going to make mistakes, they're going to make mistakes, and you need the space to admit it and deal with it. Exactly. Um, But also not beat yourselves up about it. Right, because then those become, like, you're, you begin interpreting it as, oh,
0: this isn't working, you know. But when you actually look at it as, like, actually this process looks like a lot of mess-ups and looks like really learning what works best for you mm-hmm. and that you can only learn through messing up sometimes. Yeah. Then, like, you can expect it and understand that that's actually a key part to the success of being non-monogamous is kind of bravely going in and making some mistakes. Yes. Yep, and
1: I have definitely made some. We, oh, man, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> definitely look back and went, hmm. Yeah. Could have done that a little better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny because I feel like privately when you and I talk about it, we're always like, but where we were in our lives, that made a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that, and I think that's part of extending that compassion to you though. It's like, we're only in this place where we can uh, even admit to making that many mistakes because we have compassion of who we were at that time, who we are now, people who are constantly growing,
1: constantly doing our best, you know? Yep. Yep. And I I will caveat, though, with making repeated or malicious mistakes. Bad bad vibes. Yeah. Don't do that. Do not. No. That's rolled up newspaper, tap on the head, no. Right. Yeah. But there are going to be a lot of um, unintended, non-malicious things that come up. Yeah. Um, I would say a healthy version is like, okay, maybe
0: you're... The mistakes are happening because you're getting used to a new dynamic but you are like intentionally putting energy into trying to correct those you know and trying to work towards the dynamic that works best for you and whoever's involved mm-hmm. um but on the flip side the unhealthy version is like no well you know that really interesting and smart podcast we listen to says that it's okay to make a lot of mistakes and you should make it and this means we're being successful like do not do not do not you dare take what i am saying in this podcast to inspire and like justify bad behavior and bad treatment of other people's emotions.
1: Yeah. You know, and I think it kind of goes along with this-ish. Well, maybe not, it might be completely separate, but the other thing that I always try to tell people, and this was actually told to me by one of our really good friends, um, which is don't overshare, especially in the beginning. Ooh. No oversharing. And I okay, hear people clarify. overshare a lot. With your partner, with your dates? With your dates. partner, with your dates, um, anyone who you are going to be intimate with, anyone that you're going to be having sex with, anyone, you know, it too much information sharing can be a bad thing. So an example of that is like if I went and went on a date with a guy I'm dating and... Um, you know, hooked up, had some mind blowing sex, hopefully. <laughs> um, that, that would be a it's true a win. <laughs> and then go home and tell my partner, like, hey, we had this mind blowing sex, and he did this, and he flipped me upside down, and then he did the thing with the thing, and they did that for mm-hmm. eight minutes. Like, was there. yeah, so that's not needed information for him. Mm hmm that really can serve to bring up a lot of jealousy issues. It can serve, there's really not much it's serving other than mm-hmm. to serve your own ego. Yeah. Um, and while you might be excited about it, that's not really helping the people you're interacting with. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I am big on share what's essential, don't overshare. Mm-hmm. Um, keep in mind also that if you are open or poly or any of that, if you share too much, be it good or bad. So this can also go on the you know, over sharing on complaints. Mm-hmm. If you're frustrated with someone that you're dating mm-hmm. or interacting with and go vent to your partner or someone else, there's also the chance they could meet each other. Yeah. And you have now vented to one or both about them and they're both gonna be protective and defensive for you. Mhm. So you now have aligned them against each other. Yeah. Exactly. Not on purpose. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you can't go confide in either one of them, but I would just be very careful about what you confide, how much you confide, and what is really essential to be shared in those moments.
0: Yeah. So like ask yourself, is this essential to be shared? Is this essential to what I need from this interaction? Yes. You know? How would my partner feel hearing this, knowing what my partner is struggling with or working on.
1: And you give know? your partner the space to ask. You know, me and my partner Jay, um, every time we go out we don't like come home and share all the deets. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I want to know, and like, I knew one of the first people he dated long-term, um, he came home and I could tell he had a good time. And I just asked him like how it went. And I was like, did she like do any moves that like you really enjoyed or something? And, um, he ended up telling me that like, there was this blowjob thing that she really, that she did. And. I got excited so I like asked him to explain it and he couldn't so I like sent him back I told him he had to go out on another date which he wanted to anyways (laughs) it wasn't like I was forcing him to go on a date but I was like you get back out there you you learn that and you bring that home and teach me Um, so sharing can be good I don't want to say that you can't share if it's invited Mm -hmm. but it might have also been received very differently by me if he like Blew in the door, no pun intended, um, <laughs> nice. and was like, "This blow job was awesome." Prepare your jaw, I have some new tips. Yes, yeah, so that that's a little bit of a different reception. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's just being very cautious, especially in the beginning, with how much you're sharing, what you're sharing, and with who.
0: Yeah, and here's the bad news, you gotta feel it out for yourself. Yeah, You have to. There's no like, cause even me listening to this recapping, it's like, whoa, what is the line, you know? In, In my experience when I was still married, it was very like, we were each other's best friends, and so that level of sharing was really, really common. So it's like, you know, I really had to tap into like, what do I know about both of us and what we're struggling with in terms of what can be shared, you know? Because in my situation, they, you know, my partner was very eager to hear. But I knew that, like, it wasn't always going to be for the best because we still struggled with comparing ourselves to our partners. So it can be, like, uh, unintentionally, even if, like, and and then me also. And I I feel like I probably still could fall victim to this now, thinking, like, oh, well, just tell me everything. No, I can handle it. I can take it, you know. But I really don't know. Like, this is another situation where it's like, but when I hear it, that's going to be different. And you can never unhear something. No. And you can never unsay something. Nope. So it's like... If you're like, wow, I mean, that sounds so stressful. I wouldn't know where, what to say, what not to say. And it's like, okay, then be careful with what you share. That's yep. like the first indicator of that.
1: Yep. And it's, you know, don't go into this thinking you're invincible or, you know, it might be okay to hear that in that moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But two days later when you're suddenly by yourself and in your feels. Yeah. And suddenly you're replaying that conversation. Yeah. And that person's not around. hmm you're gonna get all up in your feels. It exactly. you might not, it might hit a little different. Yeah, exactly. So even if you're super confident, you know, I consider myself a fairly confident person in my day to day. I know for me personally, even in that space, it's still not good for me to overhear too much. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. doesn't serve a purpose
0: Yeah. in general. Yeah.
1: You know, he needs his privacy, their relationship, whoever he's dating at that time is private.
0: Yeah, and I think that's also a good point, too, is, like, there's this discomfort of knowing, like, what has been shared with that other partner. Like, if I, you know, absorbed into April and Jay's relationship, which I basically already have. (laughs) We just aren't having sex yet. His (laughs) second platonic wife. (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, we have joked about, I have joked about being a party of y'all's polycule. I am already the wife like it's there, he knows your favorite there. soda so I he think knows we're my done. favorite sodas and then he said that he forgot to get it for me and he remembered that's like the most kindness I've received from a man in months by the way <laughs> same so oh yeah and it wasn't even for me
1: <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> um but yeah like I think the, even there are times where it's like here's two people who I trust like hugely. Where it's still like, oh yeah, but April loves me so well that if she said something to burn me to Jay, oof. And if I heard that, oof. And this is not to say like, don't you dare talk shit about me, <laughs> please. Right. If there is shit to be talked about, I welcome it. Um, mostly because I trust that it's like, I trust that this is how we continue to show up for each other. Therefore, whatever you are already saying about me really doesn't matter, you know? You know not to say it to me, you know? But yeah, if I, you know, we were meeting somewhere and you guys were getting out of the car and you didn't see I was already there and you were already talking shit about me and I heard it, tears. Even if I would say right now, like, yeah, tell me anything. I can handle it. I'm addicted to growth.
1: Well, and this is why, and I I try to live by a rule that if I'm willing to say it behind closed doors, I'm willing to say it to your face. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I also try to live by that when I'm dating. So if I were to share something about my relationship with someone else, be it sexual or just general relationship stuff to my other partner, I have to be okay with saying that to my other partner's face. And then being okay, because there's no guarantee it's not going to get out. There's Mm -hmm. no guarantee it's not going to be said by accident. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee that in a moment of like us drinking or hanging out or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, that's not going to come out. So I'm big on if I will say it behind your back, I'll be able to say it to your face. So, you know, and what actually what's funny is most of what I say to Jay about you, I eventually will say to your face it's almost like he's like my first sounding board, where I'm like, "Is this you too hear me? It first. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um. I think I'm a little bit on the side
0: of like, if I don't need to hear it, you don't have to, and I and I don't I don't have any cap on what, because for me, I believe that like whatever is being said about me to somebody else is part of that person processing. Whatever experience that is. with that yeah. is and I don't think it's necessary for me to be part of that every time especially and here's a great example because I know when I'm hearing certain information about myself I'm dealing with my own shame I'm dealing with my own trauma dealing with my own disappointment of who I want to be and how I want to be perceived and that's not exactly conducive to a journey of like being more autonomous being a more confident person and like believing in myself yeah <laughs> so like yeah it, I mean I love that you would say it to my face regardless but like I also trust that like you know what information I will interpret as like Hey, that hurt me, and I can't let that go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, like no, like just to that we're close enough. That's like you've seen me go down a spiral. Like I have some pretty key pillars of
1: things that hurt me. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to like air my dirty laundry. Well, I think just on, just on the gonna, flip side, again. like you know, oversharing I think also can be signs of insecurity and signs of you like what why are you oversharing? Mm-hmm. What is that serving? Is that an insecurity within yourself? Right. Is there
0: like what what's or there? do you just know that you're already in like you know the presence of somebody who's like psychic so you can't hide
1: anything from them anyway, like <laughs> you know there's so many reasons I don't know what you're talking about, I know that's not related, no idea, not to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think those are my major points that I kind of wanted to bring up, either through things that I've gone through or have done absolutely, yeah, <laughs> is there anything we didn't hit on your list?
0: I think the only the only thing that I had kept in my in my little noggin that I wanted to mention before we left is that like. If you are worried uh, if you do not want to put that you are non monogamous in like your dating profiles or you don't want to be upfront about that information um, I would really just encourage you to rethink that like it would be the worst to develop a yeah. connection with a person and you're waiting for the right time to tell them bad news bears like the reason why I put it right on my profile like Same. when I'm on dating apps right up front for someone says hey how are you I say hey did you read my bio I, I'm literally not willing to move forward if you don't know that about me because I'm not trying to hide it and I'm not trying to make you comfortable with who I am. I'm not trying to show you, hey, by the way, I'm a good person
1: and when you get to know me, so you should make an exception for my lifestyle. No, yeah. no way. And mine actually says very first line, I'm non-monogamous. It might be polyamorous. I don't. I need to look my. I'm honestly not I've not been on the apps much, but. Um, it also says I have a male partner. Like I say with my full chest. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and actually, you know, maybe maybe we can throw up some screenshots of our dating apps on our Patreon yes. for our Patreons um, that have joined. We can oh, let them see nice. what our dating apps look like.
0: Oh, nice. So
1: if you're a Patreon, you can see our dating apps. We are so cute. In we'll our post pages. those up. Uh, <laughs> maybe after this episode drops, dear God in heaven, don't judge us too harsh. I know, please don't. <laughs> please be nice. Please be nice. <laughs> so if you're a Patreon you can go join um you can go check the page and we'll drop those so you can see them and and kind of see how we roll with our dating profiles yeah exactly so. and
0: just to let everybody know who's maybe just been listening we have the free facebook group active we have our private facebook group for patreons yep. patrons active um we have a discord now um the website ah oh, so many a lot of good stuff going on so um
1: stay tuned for all this like good stuff check it out let us know what you like what you don't like we're doing polls in our groups as well yep yep if you're so that is one goal we're working towards is once we get our first 15 patreons patrons Mm -hmm. however you say it i'm still learning i like that that we say patreons patrons that's (laughs) um we're going to allow you guys to ask questions that we will have a separate q a podcast specifically to answer your questions so if you are a paying patreon you're gonna get to be a part of that, and then you know, bonus, you get to see our dating profiles. That's gonna be laughs. It's
0: gonna be cute. So, May have already seen some if you are local and have a that dating app. Ha- and I
1: apologize ahead of time. I am sorry.
0: So sorry. <laughs> I didn't even delete my profile. I just put inactive in my bio. So literally, I'm the one who has I'll to apologize right you, now. i am like, for I should therapy. just put
1: brb. <laughs> be like, uh, a f k. Yellow light. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that wraps it up for what I needed to say. I think if we did like a 30,000-foot overview, recap. Recap it. Recap. Um, So if you're going to get into non-monogamy, do not do it to save a relationship or a marriage. Period. Do not jump in with no information or research. Hmm. Do your research. Do it. Do not assume that this will be temporary for everyone in the dynamic who's involved. Right. Be it new partner, old partner. You know, date, swing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. play partner. Don't assume it's going to be temporary. Yeah. Don't be too rigid and allow for mistakes and missteps and have some compassion.
0: Mm-hmm. What we're... And don't make the mistake of thinking it's going to be equal. This is
1: equitable, equal opportunity. Yes. But not equal outcome. Yes. And then don't hide that you are non-monogamous. Please do not.
0: Listen, I am saying this to save yourself. I am saying this for you, my darling polyams. Help you. My help darling non-monogs. Listen, you're you're scared. I get it. I get it. You just want to be. You just want that partner. So I get that. I get it. But you you feel like that because the card's been stacked against you. So strengthen yourself. Empower yourself. Put it right out there. There's nothing wrong with it. You're not wrong for doing that. Don't trick anybody. Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. That's there we go.
1: Well, I think that wraps it up for us, and we will see y'all next week. And you can go have a good laugh at our dating profiles. Exactly. I cannot wait to feel laughed at.
0: (laughs) Bye. Bye.